What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to an episode of Bloke in a Bar, brought to you by Bloke Beer, the best beer in all the land. It's getting warmer, boys and girls. Get into your local, grab a case of Bloke Beer. It is designed for warmer months because it's a session lager, really easy drinking, fresh, crisp beer. Sit back. You've worked all week. The World Cup's on. You've got a bunch of sport on. The perfect beer is Bloke Beer. Now, we are in every single Celebrations Bottolo, IGA Plus Liquor, Porter's Liquor in New South Wales and ACT. That's right. If you live in New South Wales and ACT and there's a Celebrations of Bottolo near you, you can go in, grab a case of Bloke in a bar. Plus, at Porter's Liquor, we are currently $52 a case in any Porter's Liquor in New South Wales. We're also in hundreds of other stores across Queensland, ACT, Victoria, Go to our website, put in your postcode. It'll show you the nearest stockers. So grab a case of Bloke in a Bar. That's what keeps this keeps us growing, keeps the lights on. It's the best way to support the platform. If you enjoy the content each week, you sit back and you, you love the podcast, grab a case of Bloke in a Bar to help us keep moving forward. And it's on top of everything, it's a beautiful beer. We've also got the brand new MIDI as well. But as usual, let's get straight into it, baby. Just a Bloke in a Bar. What's up, guys? Matt, the Waterboy here. Just jumping in with a quick note to say that this podcast was recorded in the middle of the night last night for us Australians. Denon, obviously on the other side of the world, recorded it after the Tonga versus PNG game. So here you go. What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another episode of Bloke in a Bar. It's just the beak riding solo today. I'm in a little apartment in uh, San Sebastian. I think it's in the north of Spain. Española. And the game last night, Tonga versus PNG, I thought it couldn't wait until next week. I thought I'd jump quickly on. I couldn't let my Docos and my, you know, my PNG brothers down. I needed to get on here, have a chat about it because I think it may have some impact on the World Cup. Plus, it was a high, high quality game from both teams. Honestly, I'll get straight to it. Well, actually, before I get to it, uh, our summer of cricket merchandise is coming out on Monday, 6 p.m. That is right, Monday, 6 p.m. We are releasing. Tonkin Cherry shirts, we're releasing Good Areas shirts, and we're also releasing White Brim Hats, um, Brim Hats, Tonkin Cherry shirts in brown and blue, and then we've got White Good Areas t-shirts. So that is on Monday, 6 p.m. Make sure to grab some guys. There's a limited amount. This is not a pre-sale either. This is, we've got a limited amount that we've made. Once they sell out, boom, Gonskis. Uh, and it's, it's, it's a limited amount, guys. So trust me, if you're keen on these, make sure to set your alarm because once they're gone, they're gone. We, we're not, it's not like a pre-sale where we can just like print as many as we want. So that is Monday, 6 p.m. We've got the Wide Brim Blow Cats, Tonkin Cherries. Uh, then we've got the Good Areas. They're, they're awesome, guys. Check our Instagram, Facebook to see what they look like. Uh, the Tonkin Cherries comes in the blue and a classic brown. And then obviously the Good Areas comes in white. Uh, they're really cool shirts. The feedback from social media has absolutely been absolutely amazing. People are loving them, guys. So set aside um, Monday, 6 p.m. Make sure to be there. The hats are perfect, especially the wide brim ones, are perfect for upcoming summer, but also like work as well. If you need a hat that's, you know, you're going to you know, obviously be good for the sun and, and be a bit of fun as well because it's a bloke hat. Perfect hat, the wide brim hat. But anyway... Let's get into the match review, brought to you by Bloke Beer. Now, make sure, that's how we keep the lights on, guys, whether it's the merchandise or the Bloke Beer. If you sit down and you enjoy hours and hours of Bloke content each week, um, if you can, please support us, because that's how we keep growing and we keep delivering better uh, content for you guys. And, you know, I'm really hoping next year we can even step it up a whole nother notch and create even better content 
a content for you. For example, a lot of people really like the Dallium Awards where I was interviewing the players. You know, the more we grow, the more I can maybe go to clubs and speak to players and do all that kind of stuff. Uh, so make sure to grab a case of bloke beer and every celebrations bottle o IGA plus liquor and Porter's liquor in New South Wales and ACT. So if you're listening to this right now and you live in New South Wales or ACT, you've got a celebrations or a bottle o near you or Porter's liquor or IGA plus liquor, head in there. They will stock bloke in a bar. Plus we've got the all new bloke midi, which is absolutely going off. People are loving it. Um, we are in hundreds of stores across New South Wales, Queensland, ACT, Victoria. You go to website, blokeinabar.com, boom, put in your postcode. It'll show you the nearest stockers. But let's get straight into it, baby. Whew. Oh, my God. What a great game of rugby league. Matter of fact, going into it, I thought England Samoa was going to be the game of the round. I thought that because of there was so much on the, on the line. England came out, absolutely killed it, put 60 on Samoa. Tonga versus PNG, it was the sleeper hit, wasn't it? We, uh, and now that I watch it, I'm like, I cannot believe I didn't give this game the respect it deserved. You know, it, it just, it didn't cross my mind. Like, I, I was just so focused on the, like, you know, Tonga's recent achievements and then Samoa, all of these crazy uh, people that had come and played for them, you know, Suali'i, Bolo, um, you know, Papali'i, all that kind of stuff. And I'm sitting there going, so focused on that, that I just, like, PNG. PNG, if you actually go back and look at PNG's record, they've got a good record against Tonga. Um, and so I thought this was such a good example of how important that you know Queensland Cup side has been for PNG. Now, I understand that I think last year they didn't go too well. When they first came into the comp, I think they won it in the first few years. But I, 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 I'm telling you, while watching that game on the, on the last night, the benefit of having that New South Wales Cup side is astronomical. They looked like a well-drilled team. Uh, they looked, again, it was my favourite word last week, but it was cohesive, baby. <laughs> I love that word. It's literally my favourite word right now. But, I mean, it's new teams coming together and, and really gelling, as you would. Uh, and so, PNG, I'm excited. Like, I'm excited. I understand that on paper, you know, maybe they don't have the same, you know, like, names on paper that, say, a Dong, uh, Tonga does. But, I mean, there were some plays in there. So, Lachlan Lamb, for one, like, he's a guy that really should be playing first grade more regularly, but just because he's at the Roosters. Now, I'm not sure if he's leaving next year if I got that mixed up with someone else, but he was fantastic. Also, Labert, number six, he was jamming blokes, absolutely jamming blokes. But I want to give a massive shout-out to Edwin Ipap. Apologies if you say it uh, a different way. Edwin Ipap, I mean, look, obviously we need to see more from him, but if he keeps playing like this... If an NRL club doesn't snap this bloke up, they're crazy. He's explosive. He's he's tricky out of dummy half. He's strong as anything, like seriously strong. Good ball running, had a try assist. He nearly ran for 200 metres as a number nine. He had four tackle breaks. But get this, 70 post contact as a number nine. He was actually my player of the match. Now look, defensively, still got a little bit to, to work on, but... You know, that, those defense is all attitude. It really is, especially in the middle. I'm not to say that he doesn't have a good attitude, but you can train that kind of stuff. You know, putting your body in the right position, all that. You know, that, that's all preseasons can give you, give give you. When you see a guy like Edwin Ipap with a bunch of natural talent, there's I don't believe there's any. You know, unless he doesn't, you know, apply himself or whatever, which is no evidence to suggest he wouldn't. Um, he's made for, to play NRL. Like, tell me what he doesn't have naturally that you can't train. The, the only real thing is like luck, you know, lack of injury, like if he gets injured or, or whatever, and then just applying yourself, really. And if he goes to a good system and applies himself, you know, I, I really believe he 
could play in a role. Now, apologies if he already has gone to a club or two and, um, you know, played a bit of NRL and it just didn't seem to suit him or, or, or whatever. But from watching last night, he was outstanding. Absolutely. He was electric. Electric. Um, so I really enjoyed watching him play. Um, outside of that, you know, of Reese Martin, uh, what, 41. Reese Martin, 41 conversions in a row equals the world record. Reese Martin's such an interesting case because I actually had him on my podcast years ago, years ago, and he was killing it at the dogs at the time. Like, he'd converted all these tries. He was a great wide running forward. He would you know, good footwork laid at the line. He was fit. He was tough. And then I think they got a new coach in, and all of a sudden, it just stopped working for him. Like, he stopped getting picked. And then before you knew it, he's on the outer. And then you're like, well, of course, another club's going to pick him up in the NRL. No one picks him up in the NRL. And you're going, what? Like, surely. Like, like we've got a, a mobile back rower, kind of in the a, a Wade Graham-ish type player that can convert as well. Surely he would be an incredible number 14 or off the bench at the very least, or at least a good squad member that you can bring in if there is a bit of depth. So I was always so surprised that, you know, he went to Super League so early and, you know, clubs didn't really pick him up straight away. Um, but, you know, th- this PNG side, I have to give them the, their credit. They, I thought they were absolutely fantastic. And if I'm being honest, I really thought the game probably should have ended in a draw. Now, that sounds stupid, obviously, because it's like, no, well, it didn't and that therefore it shouldn't. But I just couldn't, I could not pick a better side. I couldn't say that Tonga was a better side than PNG and I couldn't say that PNG was a better side than Tonga. And then obviously, if you're listening and you're like, you know, a Tongan fan, it's not disrespect at all. And I understand that clearly Tonga were the better side because they scored the match-winning try. I just think that there were a few, like one or two 50-50s that if you nail them, it's an even game. It, you know, in saying all of that, I'm sure Tonga had 50-50s that didn't go their way as well. Uh, and you look, PNG, I think they blew one or two tries as well. Um, you know, and then they had a few. I, I did feel like the first Tonga try was a forward pass. But, you know, whoever wins deserves to win. You know, like, uh, like you know, I, again, I understand it sounds stupid, but I couldn't, I could not... Um, I couldn't break these teams apart. I thought they played as well as each other. And, and I already thought that. But then when I looked at the stats, it really does tell a story. Okay, so they both completed at 74%. Tonga had 52% of the ball. Uh, PNG had 48% of the ball. So that's that's how close these guys were. All runs, 226 Tonga to 200 um, PNG. Post-contact meters, around the same. Line breaks, PNG actually had more. Tackle breaks, Tonga had more. Um you know, so it, it was a close, close match. Now, to be fair, though, to be really fair to Tonga, the, the PNG did miss more tackles than uh, Tonga, and maybe that was the difference, the, the explosiveness of the Tongan forward pack. So I, I don't want to take away from Tonga's great performance because they were also really, really good. A few a few rough edges, in my opinion, but, I mean, I thought Lola here was outstanding. You know, got got an 18-year-old half as well working with him. Uh, but anyway, we'll stick on PNG for now, and then we'll get to Tonga. Uh, errors, they had the same amount of errors. Uh, most tackles, roughly around the same amount of most tackles. I will say a crucial moment in the match for me was uh, stepping out by, I don't think he's normally a winger, um, but what uh, Dan Russell. So he ended up scoring a try that I think got them back in the match, if I recall correctly, and equalised it. But the stepping out, ooh, Big, big play. And look, he's not normally a winger, so you can't really hold that against him. But 
I don't know. I think the game might have been a little bit different if he doesn't step out there because I felt like PNG started really well. Uh, mate, I'm just so impressed with this PNG side, and I, I really, I obviously, don't regret. But I'm just like, man, I should have paid more attention to PNG. They've got a system set up there. They've got the Q Cup side. You know, their talent is always really good. They've got a good number seven in Lockie Lamb. I mean, like, you look at you look at like places like Samoa right now, and you go, man, they'd kill for a guy like Lockie Lamb to be in their number seven because they just don't have it right now. Um, you know, so really, really good stuff from PNG. It's going to be interesting to see, you know, was this the the passion of playing for PNG that really got them up for this match and almost they'd been written off so they wanted to just silence the critics? Or are we just seeing evidence of a really good system that's coming together and making the boys play together really well? Um, I hope it's the latter because it, it looked like it. It really did look like it. You know, they, they looked like a well-structured side that, um, you know, had direction, had control at, over what they were doing. Uh, so outside of that, as I said, uh, my man of the match, Edwin Ipap, uh, you know, Alex Johnson was really solid at the back. Laybat's defense, Laybat's defense was absolutely outstanding. The amount of guys he bloody shot it was uh, incredible. Uh, Reese Martin again, I thought he was really good. Yeah, so look, Lock- Lockie Lamb, I, like I, as I said, I think that a lot of play like current international sides would kill to have him. Um, so yeah, PNG. Really gallant effort. And yeah, if you're a PNG fan, I can understand if you felt a bit unlucky with a few calls because there was a forward pass, a couple of forward passes, I think, that were very, you know, touch or go. Not even very touch or go. I personally thought they were forward. But, but you know, when you look at the stats, PNG did miss more tackles than um, when, than Tonga. So you could say, okay, they didn't get the 50-50 calls, but that's, that's rugby league. That's rugby league. You have to find a way around that. And they did put themselves in a position to win that game. So... I'm really excited for PNG. I think it's fantastic what they're putting together there. They're, they're almost like the silent assassins where, you know, they don't get put in the same breath as a Tonga or Samoa or England, but they're taking Tonga all the way to the death. Really exciting times. I just what a, what a privilege to be able to watch these guys come together and play. Now, on to Tonga. Uh, look, a bit messy, a bit messy, but they came together to get the job done. Look, I thought they really... The PNG started the game really well, and then Tonga did a really good job of rallying back into the game. And, you know, for example, Kohler's try, uh, well, his try that he set up of a kick return, of course it was an incredible run by Kohler. I mean, what a future this kid has. He is electric. But that's that was all off the back of the pressure that Tonga's defense put on PNG. And, and I think that, you know... This is, this is if you wanted to look at, and apologies that I'm talking about Samoa so much, but if you wanted to look at the difference in levels, look at the moment where Tonga were under the pump and they made a concerted effort, direction, and it may have been uh, Lola, here that did, Lola here that did it, but they went, okay, we're under the pump here, boys. Four tackles, or five, just hit them up. We're going to kick. It's not about the attack. Rest yourselves, get ready for a big set in defence. Let's attack them in defence. Sounds so simple, but you'd be surprised how many times on a footy field where you don't have a... I mean, we saw it. Like, you don't have someone to go, boys, this is exactly what we're doing. We aren't getting where... Like, PNG are dominating us around the ruck and they're getting good metres and they've held us back in our line for a bit now. They've had, we have a few repeat sets. How do we get out of that? We defend our way out of that. We put pressure on them. And sometimes teams... You know, with maybe an inexperienced seven or a player that isn't a seven or, you know, maybe just just isn't a seven. You know, he doesn't have that experience. 
he's just thinking, I've got to attack my way out of this situation. You know, let's spread the ball. Let's let's try to hit these holes on the edges. And it doesn't work out. And they're still under the pump. And all of a sudden, they're 12 behind because they made an error trying to spread it or they're trying to make the big play. Whereas experienced sevens know we need to defend our way out of this situation. We need to make sure that we need to attack with our defense. Let's make them uncomfortable. Because right now, we're feeling uncomfortable. Let's make them uncomfortable and ask the question to them, are you willing to take it as hard, like, are you willing to take the line speed that we're about to put on you for the next 20 minutes? And I thought Tonga did that really, really well. And it shows the maturity in their systems that they have there. Tonga, four or five years ago, or maybe six now because it's been so long, I don't think that happens. I don't think they make the mature decision of going, we're going to defend our way out of this situation. I think they go, we're so naturally gifted that we're going to attack our way out of the situation. So... Although it was a little bit sloppy from Togger, and obviously we expect more from them, I actually think, like, if, if you're sitting there going, oh, I thought Tonga was a World Cup threat and they um, underperformed because they didn't beat PNG by 20, I actually think it's more a case of PNG really turning up and playing well. I really do. So I wouldn't, as a Tongan fan, I wouldn't judge them too harshly if you really were expecting them to put a big score on them because now you consider them as a Tier 1 nation. Um, I would more be like, wow, PNG really turned up and they, they turned up to play. Because I, I thought personally, Lola here, I thought he was probably first or second best player on the field with uh, Keon Kolomatangi um, probably first. Uh, so it's just good signs for, for uh, Tonga as well. On top of all that, Christian Wolf he has a moan in that squad. And a moan we all know is incredible. But he decided to play Katoa, Isaiah Katoa, who is an 18-year-old making his debut in attack, I thought he was great. He, he, he looked like he belonged out there. I thought, you know, he obviously had the he set up Suli to go through the line, then he backed up and scored that try. Um, you know, he ran for 128 metres. He had four tackle breaks, uh, had a line break assist and an offload. And, and he just looked comfortable. And that's what you want in a good halves. You want a half that has time and looks comfortable. When we look at all of these great halves, like, you know, you look at Joey, you look at Freddie, Lockie, you know, Thurston, Cronk, all these guys, it looks like they're playing in slow-mo when you're going, like, for example, a more recent uh, uh, example, when Rabbitohs are firing and Cody Walker and, and it was obviously Reynolds, it was almost like they were walking into the line. They were literally walking to the line. You're going, how the hell are the Rabbitohs nearly walking and stripping these players of numbers. they got so much time. And what I liked about Katoa is obviously he's not on that level yet. He's not. He's 18 years old. But for an 18-year-old to look calm, assured, especially in attack, it's a tough thing. So I would be very excited. Now, obviously, don't put too much pressure on the kid. He's an 18-year-old. But, I mean, if there's one area that you guys, you know, Tonga, uh, really, I guess, you've always kind of needed it's a really good seven you know you, the forwards the backs it's always been like the best in the some of the best in the comp like it the, the ability of you got your uh tongan side is absolutely incredible incredible in the backs and the forwards so what's really exciting is a hey, lola here i mean i remember when I th- i'm pretty sure it was a warriors that he was playing at initially and he, he had some really incredible years he was showing like signs of vintage lola here uh, i really like wow he was outstanding, and and the maturity, again, and, and sometimes that that Super League jump can really help you with a guy like Lola here. That you know he was in and out of first grade for a bit. You know he, he burst onto the scene, then he came in and out of first grade. Sometimes you need to just get away, get a bit of confidence. And I thought, like I didn't 
put it this way, I didn't think Lola here was a seven. I didn't think he would be able to direct the team around. I thought he directed the team around fantastically, like really, really well. And I think he's matured massively as a player. Uh, I thought he was good. So, you know, when you've got guys like Isaiah Katoa, Lola here, Lola here, apologies if I'm saying that wrong, guys. And then you've got Amone, uh, Amon in the uh, squad. This is exciting for Tonga. And this just shows you how important it is, is to have a good coaching staff, admin, that really just build systems. Just build systems and continue to slowly improve each year and bring the right guys through and give them opportunities. And, and look, I'm not saying that you know everything is perfect. I'm sure there's a lot of stuff that I don't know about. But you know, I think the Tongan, they're really... It would have been easy for them to go into the World Cup. And look, we, we have to wait to see how they go for, versus Australia and New Zealand, you know, and, and England as well. We have to wait and ha- see how they go. But, you know, it would have been really easy to have that World Cup success and almost go, oh, okay, you know, we, we're good here. We're, we don't need this or that. And, and we've got these big, powerful forwards that could tear teams apart. But I think they've continued to try to build. And it's Christian Wolf is a fantastic coach. So he's going to be sorely missed. I think he definitely, you know, they need to replace him with someone... Um, it's going to be hard to replace, put it that way, because he's going to, I think he signed with the Dolphins and then he's going to take over from Wayne Bennett, um, which is really interesting because guess who the young gun signing for the Dolphins is? It's Katoa. It's Katoa. And so that's why I'm excited for Tonga and the Dolphins and Katoa. We've got this young half that came through, I'm pretty sure, the Penrith system. Penrith would devote to, to lose him, but at the same time, is he ever going to get a crack there? I don't think he's going to get a crack there. It's Cleary, Luai for sure, and they deserve to be back to, back-to-back halves pairings. So Katoa, long-term for the Dolphins, could be one of the best gets in a very long time. And long-term for Tonga, if he becomes, let's say he becomes the main seven or six, but the main seven at the Dolphins, and they have some success in four or five years, wow. That's, uh, that's when I really think we'll see Tonga go from some people think they're tier one. Some people don't think they're tier one to, oh no, Tonga are a tier one side right now. And I, and I don't want to put too much pressure on the young kid back, but it's just, this is the way it is. When you're coming through, you, you almost expect this pressure, at least for me personally. Like I was never like, oh, it's too much pressure. I was like, yeah, let's do it, baby. <laughs> um, anyway, so I thought he showed some really good signs. Now, I don't want to be a negative Nancy, but his defense definitely needs a lot of work. That's only natural. You know, he's an 18 year old. You can tell by physically, He's not matured yet, just by his body shape and everything like that. He's still fit, fit and strong or whatever, but it takes a, a year or two to, to just to build into your NRL body. Um, I, I'm, I'm the same, you know. It took me probably two to three years before I really felt comfortable in the contact and whatever. Uh, and so there were a couple of missed tackles of his that I think in two to three years' time when he's had a couple of pre-seasons, he makes those tackles. So... It's only natural, guys. No, no half comes in complete. Not even Nathan Cleary. Not even, not not a single half comes into first grade complete. But it has to be noted that defensively he um, definitely needs to improve there. And just just the contact and the reads and and all that kind of stuff. He fell off essentially two tries. But eighteen year old on debut, you can excuse that. It's not absolutely not the end of the world. I mean, it's why it's a really interesting thought process because it's why Lockie Elias is, is really impressive is he had that poor defensive game against the Roosters came out the next week and had a great defensive effort and so that's that's the challenge of a lot of young halves coming through from a young age is that they're so used to playing in the younger grades that they attack their way out of problems as we discussed earlier they're like oh, okay yeah they scored whatever I'm just going to step three blokes and put a guy in for a try I'm going to chip kick whatever it is I'll get it done and you can do that in the juniors whereas when you get into the NRL 
it's not that simple because everyone is that guy. It's it's every single person that is on an NRL field came through as the man. You know, he he's the man of his area, and uh, and you just learn it. You learn it. Uh, so and I think Katoa will. Uh, just back to Lola here. I thought he was great, but let's talk quickly about Keon Kolomatangi. Holy shit! That last try. You look obviously any team could have scored that last try in the sense that there could have been a player that kicked a ball to another player. But I'd make the argument, Tonga probably the only team that could have a bloody front rower in Tokiaho chip kick to a back rower that's just set up a try or two with soft hands that are both, what, 105, 110 kilos? I think, like, what, Samoa and Tonga are the only ones that have, like, forwards that are 105 to 115 kilos that are doing chip kicks and and setting tries up with inside balls and that. And that's when you look at, when you sit back and look at Tonga, you go, wow, that is something really only Tonga could do. Have two big fellas, games on the line, the ball's been thrown around everywhere. Oh, yeah, the front rower decides, you know what, I'm going to take it upon myself to chip kick and key on after the game that he had to score the match winner. Amazing stuff. Amazing stuff. Well, that, like, that's why you watch a, a side like Tonga or hopefully Samoa in the future is like, that is something that really only they can do. They're just so gifted, so gifted. And, like, it's just such a pleasure to watch. Um, so, yeah, like, what, what a great match winner. What a great match winner by the big fellas. <laughs> I can't put it this way. Tell me the last time, and I know I know he's named at 13, but I'm pretty sure he played a lot of front row. Tell me the last time you saw... Oh, sorry, was he? Oh, no, he's named in the 10 jersey. But Totola started. But he played 50 minutes. So I'm sure he played... Tokiaho played, uh, you know, mainly in the middle. Tell me the last time you saw the game on the line... And a front rower did a chip kick for a back rower. And it's not just a like a, a mobile back rower that's, you know, 95 kilos. We're talking about a beast in Keon. Incredible. Incredible. How good. Oh, yeah. Love me footy. Let's go, baby. Woo! Oh, look, I didn't tell you. didn't pre-warn you. But it might get a bit weird. if I'm, I'm literally sitting in a room staring at a wall talking to myself. But, you look, I know it's not as exciting as when the, the whole crew's on, on board, guys. But I'll, I'm just doing my best. Just a battler doing my best. And Mrs. She's going to have to get her nails done. Uh, so just sort of bang this one out. Keon Kolamatangi. I thought I knew what his potential was. After watching this year, I thought we had a good, big, mobile back row with a lot of power. And I thought I knew what his ceiling was going to be. I really, really did. And I thought the ceiling was really high. I thought the ceiling, and, and, and I understand, like for him, playing for Tonga is the, the biggest deal. But obviously, as an Australian... I think, you know, playing for New South Wales is a biggest deal. I thought he was ceiling, was playing for New South Wales, um, even though I'm a Queenslander, so the biggest ceiling is Queensland. But anyway, we'll, we'll just, uh, we'll glaze past that, eh? Glaze past that. Um, but I, watching this game, I realised, no, actually, I don't know what his ceiling is. I don't know what Keon Kolomotongi's ceiling is. He was playing hooker for a period. He was setting up tries with inside balls, like a seven. It, like... You just don't see this kind of stuff. Like, with guys as big as that, to be able to square players up, to be able to make, to pull that player from the inside, half struggle. Like, I'm talking sixes and sevens that have been around for their whole career playing in the halves. Struggle to do that in the NRL. Now, I'm not saying that, like, oh, okay, he's as good as a half, six or seven, but I am saying for that moment, for that specific moment, he was as good as a seven. He was as good as a seven, and he is a beast of a man. Huge bloke. He is just going from strength to strength. I don't know. I really don't know what his ceiling is. I, like, because the problem is, is 
now he's almost got too many strings to his bow. And the hard, the hard thing for him, for Keon, is going to be choosing what weapon to use. And it's almost like, you sound stupid. Can't be big. You're off your head. What's going on with that? Too many weapons to choose. But I take you back. Let me take you back in time. How many times have we seen guys like Felidi Mateo? Uh, you know, these just incredibly talented offloaders. Um, footwork, ball playing, big. They can... Dave Taylor is another one. And and they just sometimes, even though Mateo and Dave Taylor both had some extremely good years, but the years where they struggled, it was almost they didn't know when to just just run it up and just run it straight because you're like, how many times did we watch it and we go, oh, do you realize you're absolutely massive? Please just run it straight. But then choosing the times to bring that finesse. And so it's almost a curse for guys like Keon because it's like, what weapon do you choose? Do you go out in a game and do you say, I'm just going to run it hard to straight all game and then if it pops up, I'm going to do it? Or do you go out and say, look, my point of difference is the fact I'm a giant and I can offload. And that's and he's getting into that territory where you're going, oh, hang on a sec. Is he being underutilized by just hitting short holes? Or is he, you know, where does he find that balance? Now, I think he will find that balance. I think he's proven that he is willing to do the hard yards and hit the holes and hit the short lines. Do like his, his defense improved out of nowhere. But I think that if he keeps improving on this trajectory, I don't know. I really just don't know where he's going to end up in regards to how good he could be. Because I'm, I'm trying to think of a, a, a back rower as big as him currently playing, as silky as him with the ball playing. Kick out, but could kick out, you know, kick out's more maybe offloading to a degree, whereas Keon's doing, like, Keon's playing nine, passing, you know. So, um, and I'm not sitting here saying Keon's better than kick out yet, but I'm just saying, like, it's a very rare mix, and it's again, it's almost a it's a gift and a curse. Like you've got to decide which one to use at the right times to make sure you're doing what's best for the team, but also to make sure you're doing, you know, you're bringing your point of difference that no one else has to the team as well. And so that's going to be his challenge going forward. But thought he was incredible. You know, IPAP for me probably man of the match. But if it wasn't IPAP, it was Keon, the match winner. Obviously, set up a try. Uh, another. Moses Suley, I know I speak about him a lot in the, the podcast, guys, but I really think he's, you know, he's he went through a really tough time, a really tough time, and you can never really understand what someone goes through, even if they tell you what it is, because you're not the one living it, you're not the one in the moment, you don't know what's going on day to day in their life, and it just seems, and I don't want to speak too soon, but it seems like he's really found himself, and he's turned all the negativity into such a positive, because he is so consistent, so consistent. And that was the kind of the worry of going to the Dragons on a relatively big contract was, oh no, he's going to go to the, on a big contract, he's going to go to the Dragons. He's going to have an inconsistent first year or two. And then when contract time comes around again, he's going to kill it, get a big offer. And then he's going to just rinse and repeat that for the rest of his career. But just want to take my hat off to Sully because it doesn't seem like that at all. Because this year for Dragons, he was outstanding. Had an injury, comes back for Tonga, he was outstanding again. And so it, I just, it's so good. To, it's just one of those feel good stories where how often do we see a young man struggle with certain things that are serious things, you know, family, all that kind of stuff. And it just is a bit too much for him to handle early on. But Suli, he's pushed through it, man. He's pushed through it. And I, I hope I'm not speaking too soon in regards to his consistency as a player or whatever. But he has been one of the more consistent. When he has played, he's been one of the most consistent centers in the game. Um, Outside of that, uh, yeah, Tokiyaho, obviously that chip kick was outstanding. Um, Sonny Luke, 
is really interesting. Really interesting. So they started Keon, and I think they started Keon at nine because of his size. They just wanted to win that battle. But I did feel that that um, Sonny Luke, when he came on, he really did offer uh, just a point of difference. Like he was just very classy out of um, very classy out of dummy half. Very classy out of dummy half. Fought a waker, a great try. Um, you know, so look, I I, I think Tonga. Showed a lot of maturity. Did they play their best? Maybe not. Maybe they didn't play to their fullest potential. But I do think they showed a lot of maturity that maybe wasn't there five or six years ago. Or not in maturity, but just some direction that maybe wasn't there. They seem to be building something good. Uh, you know, so are they a threat to win the World Cup? Maybe it's too early to, to, to call that. Obviously, you want to see the young halves continue to work together and see what they gel with. But it's probably too early to call anyone except for you know, probably Australia, just because of the depth that Australia has. Whereas everyone else, like if they lose a couple of players, it may be tough to replace them. Um, but the good thing is, is like after one round, were Australia so much better than everyone else? I don't think so. I think like, I think that although they're still the favourite for sure, there, there's there's a bit of hope there of like, hang on a sec, there, there may be some upsets coming, coming down the line. Does it mean it's going to happen? I'm not sure, but I do believe this is the one World Cup where we're starting to go, you know, is there a chance someone upsets one of the big players, whether it's New Zealand, Australia, you know, is England going to be the ones that go, hang on a sec, we are a tier one nation, show us some respect. Uh, so really interesting time, guys. Um, as I said earlier, cricket shirts are out Monday, 6pm. Make sure to grab one. Tonkin cherries in classic brown, in blue, good areas in white. We've got the bloke brim hats. Pretty sure we've got the Legionnaire hats as well, guys. Make sure to grab a case of bloke in a bar, the, the, the finest lager in all the land. Really beautiful beer, guys. Trust me, if you haven't tried it, grab a case. It is a beautiful, beautiful beer. We get so many messages going, wow, this is actually an outstanding beer. So give it a try. It's not fruity. It's not hoppy. It's beer that tastes like real beer. And it's for blokes that turn up. Turn up for their family, their mates, and good times. Uh, that is us done and dusted. Well, I say us because I'm a crazy person talking by myself in a room. That is me done and dusted, guys. Uh, as usual, I'll go and fuck myself. Thank you. <laughs>